I don't know a better introduction than the man with the most flexible schedule, but I really appreciate you for being bearing with me. I had a family crisis yesterday, and then today I, I'm a music teacher, and one of my uh, one of my students showed up on time. What do you teach? Uh, piano. I teach piano. This was a guitar lesson. Uh, Mondays, I teach. I, I play a few different instruments. So Mondays, I have mostly drum lessons and guitar lessons. Nice. Yeah. I was just listening. Just listening to uh, "Moonflower" by Santana just before. Oh, good pick. Good pick. Are you? Uh, what's your favorite genre? Favorite genre? I like just about all music, going all, all the way back to uh, classic jazz. Right. I mean, and, and, and classical. Well, being in the D.C. area, you're uh, you gotta like Duke Ellington, right? He's from there. He's uh, U Street, U Street Corridor, jazz of the 1930s. Oh yeah, it's it's on my bucket list to visit that area. I've been to D.C. before, but I didn't. I went on the regular old tourist stuff. I didn't do anything cool. Yeah, I'm a I'm a tour guide and historian in D.C. So. Uh, I've been a friend of mine actually gives musical tours of uh, U Street with it. Yeah. Well, yeah, because I mean, even in the 90s, the whole go go thing happened out there. And a lot of people that, that kind of that's kind of under the radar on most people's lists. Yeah. Chucky Brown is sort of a local legend here. Right. Yeah. Chuck Brown and the Soul Searchers and whatnot. I've, I've had to play some of his songs in the past. Love it. Love that style of stuff. Uh, what's it like giving tours? What kind of what, what kind of tours do you give? Are they like hour long, two hour long, two to three hours? A very detailed, uh, uh, not five minutes at the Lincoln Memorial, but a uh, couple hours around the uh, the White House Park, telling stories uh, over the last two hundred years or so. Especially assassination, mayhem, duels to the death, scandals, that kind of fun stuff. Oh, Lord, but, like, you have to go around the D.C. crowd, too, so I'm sure over the last few years, at least from the pictures I've seen, you've got a whole lot more hostile homeless people you've got to, like, navigate around and a lot more, probably a lot more protesters. Yeah, there's been a lot of protests the last few years and uh, a lot of homeless encamp encampments. Yeah, how, how, is that in, how does that affect your uh, your tours? Well, the... Uh the tent cities, if you will, they're usually a few blocks away from the the uh, the primo primo tourist spots like the White House Park or the Capitol Building grounds. So it doesn't affect me that much. It affects more the tourists coming from out of town who aren't aren't aware of the situation. Right. Well, I mean, how could you not be though? <laughs> yeah. Well, well, I you know better than I. I don't I don't see the news from outside the uh, the Beltway, so to speak, outside of Washington D.C. You know, it's not even that I know, it's that just from what I've seen in my personal experience, you could just assume that they're shoving it right in the Capitol space. I'm sure there's no hiding from it, because, like, right now I'm in Knoxville, Tennessee, which is... Uh, Up in the mountains. Uh, yeah, yeah, Smoky Mountains, uh, University of Tennessee, go Vols, that's why I'm here doing some stuff at the University of Tennessee, but I lived in California for a while, and originally from Florida, and... Especially California, seeing Skid Row and Los Angeles living in that whole element, I, I can yeah. kind of picture it wouldn't be much better. <laughs> yeah, I've had some friends out in California who've moved back east uh, due to that reason. Due to that, this guy's got got to be too much for them. Oh, oh, I'll tell you straight up, I ran out of money. I couldn't afford it anymore. 
Oh, really? It was getting insane. Like, I was at a point where I was, like, renting... I was renting this guy's RV and sleeping on the beach, pretty much, and just, like, having to adjust for street parking. And that's when I was like, you know, there's so much better things I could do with my time. I was making, like, two, three times as much as I'm making right now. But (laughs) I was living in an RV, couch surfing, and I even slept out of my car for a little bit, too. Like, it was just... It was brutal. Well, you know, the costs around here have gone through the roof because of a, a little place called Amazon. Oh, did they open up? The, uh, I, I thought he was. A, I thought he stayed in Seattle. I thought he was a Washington guy. Yeah, Bezos put his uh, new headquarters a few years ago here, or close by here, and so all the people with the uh, all the all the techies with all the money, they've been buying up houses and setting up prices. It helps me. I, I guess it helps my home price, but uh, I couldn't turn around and then sell it and, and buy anything else. It'd be too expensive. Look, I am always, always down to talk about how Jeff Bezos is like Lex Luthor of our actual generation, that the man is an actual evil billionaire. But <laughs> you, don't, you don't envy him his half a billion dollar yacht. Yeah. What was it? The, there's a popular meme on the Internet that uh, you and I are both closer to being a millionaire than Jeff Bezos is. That's probably true. Well, we only have to make a million. He'd have to lose billions. And he has his uh, his girlfriend uh, from out of the gym, out of the gym class, who he's cavorting with. Uh, I just assume that he's he's like I. I am, wouldn't be shocked if we find out that he's bionic at some point, and and the girlfriend thing is just for publicity. I'm 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 muckraking here. So uh, you've. What was your career in before you were a tour guide? Well, I'm, I'm kind of like a his, tour guide his, historian now. What I do is I write books. I get books published on the tours that I give, like hmm. uh, the Capitol Building area. Hmm. And before that, I was a writer, uh, both a science writer, techie, and uh, history history as well. And, uh, yeah, I sort of got not really an engineering type, but more literary uh liberal arts type so i got into uh history and uh and tour guides and travel is more my thing well here's a here's an interesting question that i like throwing out to people and feel free to call me wrong because a full disclosure i'm 26 years old so there, there's a lot i don't know but do you think the landscape of America today was more affected by the end of World War II or do you think it was the Reagan administration? You think what do you think had a greater impact on the disparity and the depravity in which we're living in the social landscape today? Whoa, that's quite a question. Mm. That's it's a, uh, totally your opinion, by the way. I, I don't need the actual facts. I, I, I really, I'm curious to hear it because both my parents are of two different generations. My dad was born in '62, and he he just hates Reagan with a passion. And right. my mom was born in '71, so she could kind of care less about all of that. Um, but you know, yeah. What do you think? Well, World War Two. It's uh, it's tough to have a bigger impact than that. Look at the movie that's out now, Oppenheimer, and uh, the nuclear dread, which almost brought an end to your your uh, father's generation over Cuba. They almost went to uh, nuclear war. Almost went nuclear over that. And uh, U.S. is the big power still in the world because of World War Two. Uh, but, uh, well, as far as the eighties go, 
I don't know. I think uh, I think it's cu- it's cultural more than economic or anything. I think mm. a lot of problems that people have, it's all it's in the mind. It's uh, uh, like you have the homeless folks. Uh, where they where do they come from? Where's the where's the fathers? Where's the moms? Uh, was it drugs? Was it uh, hard times? Economic dislocation, maybe from the eighties. Where does all that come from? A lot of it, I think, is uh, comes from busted families. Uh, he's probably had a probably had a decline over the generations, and that with that that doesn't help. Um, tough question. Well, because here's where Good it gets question. here's where it gets sticky. Because in World War II, right, that's when women had to go to work because all the men were at war, and there was a huge draft. And then, like, there was the whole like industry Rosie, that we were pulling. From. Rosie the Riveter. Right. Yeah, that's not going to work now. Like that whole plan of draft because everyone's kind of in that pool now and a lot of the industries that we had the steel industries that were stopping auto manufacturing to make bullets and armaments we don't have that anymore either so right home front and work front and war front i don't think we also i mean i i, I can't i can't call it because world war ii we also had a, a cultural american unity that I don't think we're going to have now. <laughs> I, th- I think the internet was not accounted for in a lot of documents in our country. <laughs> no, it's very, fra- it's very fragmented now. Yeah. Everybody's in their own, everybody's in their own world. It's uh, you don't have unity. Well, plus world war two, the, those auto industries and the other industries, they were the victims of their own success. They were supreme at the end of the war and they destroyed their competitors, Germany, Japan, and then they rebuilt. And they uh, kicked their butt, and then uh, so you lost a lot of those jobs, and that that feeds, of course, into all the uh, the problems, the social problems. But yeah, women will. I used to say after World War One, how do you keep them uh, down on the farm after they've seen Paris, after they've been to Paris? You can't keep people down on the farm. How do you keep uh, you're going to keep women in the in at in, at home in the kitchen? I don't think so anymore. And uh, yeah, so it's totally changed. It's a very unpredictable society. It's very unpre- it's very hard to predict what's going to be happening in the next years. Yeah, yeah, you're a uh, you're a veteran. I am not a veteran. I oh. uh, I have a I have a nickname that has the word veteran, but that's a sports uh, term for like the savvy veteran at the seventh inning, bases loaded, he comes through with a clutch hit. Ah, like a like a <laughs> other statesman of sorts. Okay, savvy veteran. Okay, that's right. All right, that's what's right. what's your sport of choice? Oh, it, it keeps shifting. It used to be long distance running, then it became long distance biking. Now it's long distance swimming. But back in the day, it was all kinds of team sports: softball, full court basketball, soccer, touch football. Mm. Mm. I, I'm lucky because my father was a uh, professional level athlete, so I inherited his coordination, but out of strength, um, particularly. But uh, pretty, pretty good athlete, and uh, like well. And pretty usually can be pretty good at anything that I turn to. Well, you've got a, uh, I mean, you've got the Baltimore Bullet right, right in your backyard. Baltimore Bullets talk about an archaic term. Yeah, well, that's. Uh, <laughs> I think that's what Michael Phelps called himself for one period of time or another. Next, you'll be uh, talking about the Washington Redskins. Uh, I. Ha- <laughs> Funny you say that. <laughs> so, 
I, I held on to that. I held on to it to a point where I wanted to order some piece of memorabilia just in the thoughts of like, you know, in a hundred years, I could sell this, pass it on as an heirloom, right? From from the forgotten eras of yesteryear. So what do I buy? I buy a doormat. I, I go on eBay and buy a doormat. And then I realize immediately after the first person came to my house and said, Oh boy, gotta love wiping my feet right on his red skin, right on his face. I'm like, oh god, I bought the worst thing. I should have just bought a jersey, a towel, anything, but I bought a freaking doormat. So I'm not getting rid of it. I still have the doormat, but of all the most like I bought the most insensitive thing you could buy, I think. Well, what you should do is get a uh, Washington Commanders doormat now because they're about they say they're gonna change that name too. Oh no. From- from the Redskins to the Commanders, but now they have a new uh, have a new ownership team uh, with Magic Johnson, and they say they're going to change the name because the Commanders' name is so hated here. Why don't they just? You know, I was getting used to Washington Football Team. They could go back to Washington Football Team, the dullest name in in history. I was getting used to it. <laughs> the Commanders. Just felt like they keep playing with me, and then the Cleveland Indians changed their name to the Cleveland Guardians. And somebody pointed out to me that I think it's a design thing because it still ends in D-I-A-N-S. All they did was just change one little thing. You know, they just changed the prefix. So that was all on the uh, graphic design crew. That had nothing to do with, like, any... They say it's the bridge, I guess. I don't know. Are you originally from D.C.? No one is originally from D.C. <laughs> hey, I'm originally from Florida, and I, I feel the same way. When someone tells me they're from Florida, I'm like, no, you're not. <laughs> Nobody's from Florida. <laughs> so where are you from? Well, you should be able to tell from my you should be able to tell from my accent where I'm from originally. I'm from the Bronx, New York. Bronx, New York. Nice. Okay. So, I mean, you're not really saving any money. Not really. <laughs> Maybe a little bit. Well, it's a little less congested down here. It's a little less hectic, but it's just as a uh, go. It's just as ruthless, like doggy dog uh, world. People trying to get ahead. It's just they're doing it, trying to do it in politics instead of uh, Wall Street. Right, right. But if you're not in that world, if you're not in that world, if you're in another world, IT or uh, a tour guide or uh, whatever, it's uh, it's less hectic than New York City and somewhat less expensive. So, did you come into? Uh... Did you come into writing as a college thing? Like most people's degrees, never what they actually do, right? Yeah, I'm an exception because I had an undergraduate degree in the most worthless degree imaginable, history, European history. So uh, I was as poor as you in uh, in California for a few years when I got out of school. <laughs> you, you, uh, did you get a master's degree or were you just Hunter S. Thompson writing yourself like crazy into situations? Well, I got into the dreary world of, uh, well, I shouldn't say dreary. I got into the world of technical writing, mm-hmm. you know, writing manuals, computer mm-hmm. manuals. Not the, it's not exactly uh, Hemingway or Shakespeare, but it, it pays rather well and allows you to do things on the side like uh, write history books. So I got into that, and then I said, well, I really want to do is focus on the history and the politics. So I came to D.C., and I got another degree at uh, George Washington University. Nice. And it kind of it's sort of like another degree like uh, European history that didn't really do me that good, but it, it opened up a few doors. That's how I got here. Ah, see, that, that's the games I've been playing lately because with with this degree I'm finishing at, U, at the University of Tennessee – my my first degree is in business admin and with like a focus on accounting and 
despite the fact that that I, sounds very practical. That sounds extremely practical for a music teacher. Well, so that was the thing that I was like, in case we have another COVID thing and I lose my hearing in my hands, you know, during another pandemic, nobody really needs you to write a song. That's not in, that's not essential. So I was like, let me get something that's going to be pandemic proof. Let me like just get a degree that'll guarantee a job. But then I was like looking at my life right now. And when I'm not teaching, I'm playing in bands and doing event planning and things like that. And then all the jobs I was looking at were either writing or media. So I was like, I was I was in finance and then economics for this degree. And then I was like, but where does that boil in? So I ended up switching to communications, just hoping that my, my degree will open a door in a field in which I might actually want to do instead of uh, just having a degree for the sake of having a degree. <laughs> well, I have to, I have to say, I'm definitely a believer. And if, uh, if you find your passion, follow your passion, it will lead to success, at least uh, to self-fulfillment. Even if it doesn't pay all the bills and you have to get a, another job. But I have to say, and, uh, have you looked into uh, music production? Yeah, that's producing, my, uh, producing that's, musicians. Yeah, that is my driest uh, well right now. I only have like one group that I've, I'm currently working on their songs. But yes, I have all the tools and know how, but I don't have any clients on that right now. I'm a very one man operation. And so when it's like, I've definitely got myself in a point where I need to start outsourcing and hiring people, and I hope I can pay them in thoughts and prayers or or motivational speeches. Maybe you know if I can be charismatic enough to just make people feel good and want to work for me. Volunteers, interns—that's what I got to get. <laughs> Thanks, you talked me into my solution. Okay, they'll work for you for free just to get the experience. <laughs> just because I'm a nice guy. <laughs> what do you have your own uh, home re recording studio? Of course I do, yeah. um, which you, you're like, so why is the audio on this podcast so crappy? Like, I can hear the echo. Come on. <laughs> so audio production guy, my <laughs> well, you'll, you'll You'll get there. Yeah, well, eventually. Um, so what do you like to read? You got to read something, right? You got to be a reader of sorts. Well, uh, finally... Recently, I've, I've gotten back into fiction again after, like most historian types, just reading nonfiction ad nauseum. So I've been uh, getting into the classics. Like I read the, I read a book that I saw the movie a number of times and it's been various iterations. The Time Machine, H.G. Hmm. Wells. Yeah. Which had, there's been some good movies, but the book was a revelation. The book is like a long, it's almost like a Jack Kerouac novel. It's a, it's like a continuous sentence it goes on and on. It's like a beautiful poem uh, of the future, uh, a future vision. And so that was terrific. So I, I, I w went through, I read all his novels, like The War of the Worlds. Uh, you know, I've seen the movies, but the book of books are always better, almost always better. So I, I begin to the classics, getting into the classics. I read uh, The Man Who Knew Too Much. Mm. There's a couple of Hitchcock movies with that name. It turns out that Alfred Hitchcock borrowed the title, but the movies have nothing to do with the book which were by uh, G.K. Chesterton, and they're a series of detective stories, kind of like Sherlock Holmes-type stories, uh, uh, with a, but sort of the, the, the protagonist is the opposite of Sherlock Holmes. He's totally laid back. He has no energy. Uh, he thinks things out. He knows all the aristocracy in England, but uh, very good mysteries. And I, my latest uh, project was a mystery novel, a historical mystery novel, 
set in George Washington's hometown, Alexandria, Virginia. So uh, I've been really getting into uh, classic, uh, classic detective stories and mysteries. That's that's what I've been uh, fixed on lately. Hmm. I, I currently I'm reading a book called The Tipping Point because I, I'm just I'm late to the party. Everybody's read it. It's like 20 years old. Um, right. If he has a whole series of books. Yeah, I know. That's what I mean. I, I'm very late to the party on this one. Just and, and the book I was reading before this was Think and Grow Rich. So also super late to that party, too. Uh, but by almost 100 years. Um, but yeah, if it's not autobiographical or self-help, I, I kind of turn off easily. Uh, my writing career has been kind of like, it's been a, something I do. But like, as far as professionally, I kind of fell into what you fell into of like, I've, I've written policies and procedures manuals, <laughs> like from scratch. Uh-huh. <laughs> I right. love that. <laughs> it's not Hemingway, but hey, it pays the bills. <laughs> have you read the are you reading the biographies about musicians uh, oh yeah yeah miles davis's autobiography is one of my top for for all is that time. a good one no uh, right and uh yeah autobiographies of music or uh, there's some really good books about how uh, songs are put together like the uh you know uh famous songs how they were actually created in the studio it sounds like it's right up your alley Oh, like for that. sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, let's see. Frank Zappa's autobiography is still one of my favorites, too, because you just get to hear about, like, not just the crap he went through legally to be the entertainer that he was, but also the uh, just the business side of everything of, like, how mm-hmm. hard it is that, like, when you are on tour with these guys and they're looking at you for a paycheck and you're under all this stress and you got to put everyone before you, you're like, wow, okay, like, this guy needs me to make sure that he can eat this isn't all just fun <laughs> and hmm. interesting yeah wouldn't think of that but Z- that zap zap would be concerned with such things but everyone of course has to be that, that, yeah because i mean he's just always been known to be like that whack job but yeah the sober part was crazy too because you're like again this guy he no drugs just naturally like that insane um so a terrible tragedy in the music world uh this week with the uh, sinead o'connor Oh, Sinead O'Connor. Yeah, that was, that was absolutely, I didn't see that coming at all. She was so young. Yeah. In her fifties, but, uh, if you read between the lines, it was, a perhaps she did it, did herself in, uh, her son had died and she was in the, this consulate. And of course she's had problems, uh, all throughout. Yeah, for, uh, for, for a human life though, 56 is pretty young. Nowadays. We're all supposed to live to be 120. Huh. I, I don't buy that. See, I see myself <laughs> going at 70. I picked seven. Uh, Bowie died at 70. I feel like that's, that's long enough. Okay. What am I going to do in my 80s? Sleep all day? You know, there's a famous uh, section in Gulliver's Travels. One of my favorite authors, Jonathan Swift, where he, uh, he learns about this island where uh, people live forever. And being gull- Gulliver, being gullible, thinks this is the greatest thing. He'll talk to these people who've been living for a thousand years. They can tell him about, you know, Julius Caesar, Confucius, whatever. He gets to the island. He's terribly disappointed. Because these thousand, two thousand year old people, they've gathered all the infirmities of age. They're blind. They're deaf. They're, uh, they have uh, leprosy. They have cancer. So it's the most miserable existence. So hopefully uh, that, w- that won't happen to any of us. Fingers crossed. And so a lot of your writings, like you sent me a bunch of writings on your expertise on Lafayette Square. You seem to be a 
local expert on that? That's my flagship tour. Lafayette Square is the president's park. And that's where I got an idea to do a book, uh, like a scandal book on the history of scandal around the White House area. And I was amazed to find all these murders and assassinations and uh, scandals that occurred right in the park itself. How many pages is that? I'm sure you can do a thousand pages on that without even trying. I had uh, it was 62 or 63 chapters, each one a, a short story about a, uh, a, a usually a, a bad thing that happened. There's been some accomplishments and achievements, but usually it's a bad thing. Like, for example, uh, the uh, the Secretary of State for a Abe Lincoln, who was nearly killed the night that Lincoln was shot and killed. A, uh, one of one of the assassin's confederates broke into the guy's uh, mansion and nearly stabbed him to death and stabbed six other people as well. He was like a Terminator. And uh, then he escaped. He actually escaped and lived in the cemetery, uh, slept in a cemetery for a few days, hiding out until finally captured and hanged. So stories like that are replete in the president's park surprisingly that's that is some wild stuff have you ever pointed out that james buchanan might have been one of our like our first gay president james buchanan the president who may have been poisoned uh right before the thought to be one of the worst presidents because he, he he did not avoid the civil he let the civil war let the country drift into the civil war i wasn't aware of the uh actually i have different information on that because he had an affair with a woman named Rose Greenhow, really? who was the main, yes, when he was a, a senator, secretary of state, James Buchanan, his carriage would be seen drawn up outside the mansion house of a prominent socialite named Rose Greenhow, who, when the Civil War broke out, was the main Confederate spy in Washington, D.C. So she really got around, and he got around also as uh, so I don't know about the gay business with uh, Mr. Buchanan. I thought it was because he had no first lady and he had his like his sister as the caretaker, but he had like his, there was a third political figure who was served in the cabinet that was like living with him. And I think that's where the rumor came from. You might be thinking of uh, William Howard Taft, huh. who was a bachelor, I believe. And then rumors have, uh, rumors have spread about him, but the, the person in Lafayette Square that's more germane, perhaps, is a is a, a fellow named Baron von Steuben from uh, German-speaking lines, and he was the drill master of George Washington's army in the Revolution. He's got a big statue in Lafayette Square, but he left Europe, came to America in the Revolution under a cloud. He was about to be arrested in France for uh, his predilection for young men, quite young men. And it took none other than the U.S. ambassador to France, a guy named Franklin, Benjamin Franklin, to bail him out and send him over to, to America, vouching for his uh, bona fides as a uh, drill master. And uh, Congress Congress uh, did not really trust him. They said, well, you can, you can serve in Washington's army on one condition, that you don't get any pay unless we win the revolution. <laughs> if we win, then you we'll pay you. Otherwise, you get nothing. Von, but von Steuben agreed, and he had turned out to be uh, excellent in his job. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. We, I mean, we won. <laughs> <laughs> that is wild. Uh, do you have a favorite period of history? Because you, you definitely know your stuff. Well, I came to the uh, D.C. area, and I live in Virginia. And if you live in Virginia, it's hard not to get into the Civil War and into the American Revolution. Uh, so those are really, they've become my two periods. 
that I uh, specialize in on the tours and the books. Although for my next book, it's going to be set in Georgetown, beautiful Georgetown. It'll probably be a little bit later in history, uh, like the Cold War and the World War II and espionage. Georgetown is the world capital of spies huh. because it has every em it has the embassies of every country. And most of the personnel and embassies are spies trying to uh, glean technical information or military information. And that's been true since the city was founded. That right. I did not know that. Yeah, I just took a trip to Virginia two weeks ago. I finally got to see the rotunda and the whole UVA thing, which is uh -huh. it's, it's a bucket list item for me. I've always wanted to see it. And then uh, also beautiful school. Yeah, yeah. yeah good. Thomas Jefferson. What a guy. <laughs> what a guy. So, oh, another fun fact that I learned of like the South. I ended up in uh, I've spent a lot of time in Mississippi and yeah, Mississippi. <laughs> other states around the south but yeah mississippi for sure and especially like in towns where old miss is located i think it's oxford oxford find, yeah you'll find jefferson street and it's actually named after jefferson davis and you'll find a lot of like jefferson avenues that are not thomas jefferson you know but like normally coming from anywhere else you would assume it's thomas jefferson wouldn't bat an eye and then you're like oh i wow <laughs> wow the uh, other the other i have a uh I did a satirical book where uh, Thomas Jefferson is cloned along with Ben Franklin and Abigail Adams, and they come into modern times and they go through Statuary Hall in the Capitol building. And Jefferson's looking around for a statue and he turns and he, in a dim light, he sees a Jefferson. He goes, yes. And then he sees it's Jefferson Davis. And by then he's aware of the Civil War and he falls into a great gloom. Oh, wow. What's that book called? It's called The Foundering Fathers. What the what the Jefferson Adams and Franklin saw in modern DC? Oh, that is that is absolutely awesome. Well, do you have a website where where can people find your stuff? I know they can buy your books on Amazon. Uh, I have like I have Facebook pages and Twitter, but the best best is, is to go onto Amazon or Barnes and Noble and and find my name and then all the books, or awesome. go on to for the tours. Go on to Meetup Lafayette Square Tours of Scandal assassination and intrigue uh, i i honestly if i find myself in the dc area i will i will definitely book a tour with you i'm i'm down for three hours of scandals and haunts and murders you you seem like a very knowledgeable guy well i'm not going to take and a, it what, what and just to add, just quickly to add that uh, of course you have to take in all the music in this area because this is in the next nexus of the north and the south so you have uh, this is roots americana you know dave matthews and all the rest Right, yeah, I uh, I accidentally discovered the Eastern Shores when I was in Virginia. I've never been to uh, I've never been to Virginia Beach, and so my intention was to go to Virginia Beach. But after the Chesapeake Tunnel, I was like, oh, and now I'm in Cape Charles. And the next thing I knew, I, I discovered Assateague Island. And with a name like Assateague Island, how can you not go? That's a great name. And Assateague and Chincoteague. Right. And yes. you made the you made the right call because Assateague and Chincoteague, the beautiful national uh, beach shores, and they're much better than Virginia Beach. You made the right call. I, I I had a great time. I would totally go back. All right. Yeah, I'm not going to give you a tour. Any more of your time? Thank you, uh, Edward P. Moser author historian tour guide writer awesome dude you have a great rest of your night thanks for stopping by okay and i expect you to be the music producer of a, a gigantic hit song